Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Joe Carnahan's Cop Shop. And let me tell you, uh, the odds are, if you're listening to this, you haven't seen this movie yet because nobody is watching this movie, but everybody should be watching it because... It is so much fun. It's still out in theaters right now. I'm sure it'll be on VOD like any day now. Uh, But you should go watch this movie. We got two Joe Carnahan movies in the last year. Between this and Boss Level. And uh, he's kind of on a roll right now. You know, Joe Carnahan doesn't always get the uh, respect that he deserves, I think. But uh, these last two movies have proved that when it comes to action movies that are not John Wick type action movies or marvel type action movies uh he's the guy right now and this is really an original fun piece of movie uh joining me to talk about it is joe black who's been here on the show a bunch in the past and always happy to have joe back on he had a lot to say about cop shop and we have a great conversation coming up so before we do get to that conversation, I want to remind you all, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. We're, of course, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Pocket Casts, where I listen to podcasts, Good Pods, you know, all the podcast apps. We're there. Make sure you're subscribed. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods or Podchaser. If you like what I do here on Piecing It Together, make sure to leave a review. It would be really awesome if you did that. And you can, of course, share the show with your friends. That's just the best when when people do that. Follow us on social media at PiecingPod. We have been getting a little more active on Instagram as well. I'm finally doing that. And I got to tell you, uh, I, I have no way of tracking when we have a good day or week or month of downloads on the podcast. But I feel like ever since I started doing more Instagram, uh, those numbers are going up. And I, I don't understand. You can't even click it from Instagram over to the episode. Like, there's no link. You know, links in bio, but uh, there's no actual clickable link. So how is that getting us new listeners? You know, whatever. uh, Whatever it is that is getting you to this show, I'm happy to have you here. But we also have the popcorn and puzzle pieces group over on facebook where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show so make sure you join that group lots of fun talk over there 
I'm sure we've talked about Carnahan a bunch of times over the last few years. Um, and uh, last but not least, don't forget about our Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. Which, speaking of which, a uh, bunch of bonus content going up very soon, like in the next week or two, from my music, because I'm about to release a new album. I'll talk about that a little more at the end of the episode. But, uh... Yes, let's get to our conversation about Cop Shop. All right, Joe Black is back with us today to talk about Cop Shop, which I know he's been wanting to talk about for a long time. Joe, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing very well. Long time coming, like you said, so that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you, you, you have been telling me to look out for this one, to keep an eye out, and uh, you were not wrong, my friend. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this movie. I'm very happy to hear that. I have a tendency. I I I live in uh, L.A., so I I get to see a lot of these movies in like pre-screening. Yeah. And whenever Joe Carnahan's name pops up on one of those, I'm already in line before I've even sure. like signed up. You know. Um. <laughs> but sometimes, like, I, I get overzealous about the like these movies. Like, I remember I saw um Mad Max Fury Road like a mm. year before it came out. Like, so I saw it came out in May of 2015. I saw it in July of 2014 yeah and like i try to keep like my excitement low <laughs> you right. know like mad max i like i wouldn't even tell people that i loved it people would be like is it you know how was it i'd be like it's good you know when inside i'm just like just you fucking wait yeah <laughs> but um i don't know i think i think when i saw cop shop for some reason just like alexis louder's performance especially i was just so high on this movie and i knew that like no i knew when i saw it that like nobody was gonna see it yeah you, you know what i mean like that that like i i already knew watching it, i'm like the studio is not going to promote this movie and it's not going to do anything you know so like i i allowed myself to be more excited telling people like you basically everybody i came into contact with go see cop shop you know yeah yeah, and it's surprising that this is actually like theatrical. Like this is the kind of movie people say doesn't come out anymore, but they do come out here and there. And this is uh, what people should be supporting when they do. I agree. I I, I agree. And and you know he also d made this movie during lockdown. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like honestly, it doesn't have that. A lot of these movies, like I don't know if you saw the card counter. Um, I haven't seen it yet. No. Yeah, I I thought that that was pretty pretty fucking awful but mm. like it so obviously was made during lockdown they're in like right. casinos for two-thirds of the movie with nobody in them but them right, right. You, you know what i mean they're like sitting at a casino bar and there's like one person in the background you know what i mean like yeah yeah they're by a pool that nobody's in you know not even them like it's but this movie feels like like this you could tell that this was not written to be a lockdown movie it was written beforehand you know and, yeah. and he i don't know man it it just he he's just he's a real director yeah you know what i mean yeah he, well he, he makes movies that's the right. thing he makes movie movies and that that's a thing that some of my favorite movies of this year so far that's exactly how i would describe them movie mm -hmm. movies you know mm -hmm. i agree actually like you i know on your on the page you posted earlier today about like, you know, what movies surprised you this year. And when I looked at my list, they were all exactly what you're talking about. You know what I mean? That like, like Snake Eyes is one of my favorite movies of the year. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's a movie through and through, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. But, but Carnahan, you know, it, what's really interesting is that there's some of these filmmakers who are really showing 
their true colors when they have these limitations. Like Carnahan is one of them. I know some Rob Zombie is another one that I really like. You know what I mean? But also like M. Night Shyamalan. Like mm-hmm. he was somebody who like got in that big budget world. You know what I mean? And and like I still liked them fine, but you know, people didn't seem to respond. But then suddenly he recoils back to the five five million, ten million range, like something like a split, which is just a masterpiece, you know? Right, right. And um I think that's the sign of like you know, a, a a true a true filmmaker, somebody who knows how to adapt, and uh, I I don't I, I don't know, like roll with the punches is kind of a, you know what I mean. And yeah, Carnahan's yeah. been doing that for twenty years. Well, one other thing about this, and then we'll start getting into some pieces, but it's actually a good setup for talking about puzzle pieces. Is mm-hmm. we both message each other that this one's kind of a little tough to find pieces for right Uh, and and i think part of that is because this is a carnahan movie like that's what it is through and through it's it's a joe carnahan movie yeah and and like he's he's just somebody who like for the people who make movies who especially the people who self-finance movies you know like Mm. people like me he's such an inspiration because you know i i'm pretty sure you know he got noticed with his movie blood guts bullets and octane uh-huh. Which was which I've never dot- seen, but Oh, it's great. It's is it? really, yeah. really good. And he's actually the second lead in the movie. Mm. And he's terrific. Like he's really good in the movie. He's he's I gotta he's, watch that. Yeah, it's so good. It's definitely worth your time. But he made it for seven thousand bucks. It gets released, it gets uh shown in Sundance as one of their midnight movies, and then he gets to like, you know, the Hollywood people come a knocking, right? And yeah. he makes Narc, which was amazing. Tom mm. Cruise sees Narc, helps uh, Paramount push it to be a big movie, and then wants Carnahan to make Mission Impossible, mm. right? Like, that's like the dream for all these indie filmmakers that, you know, from the uh, Colin Trevorrow's or the uh, uh, what's it, uh, Ryan Coogler, uh, like all these people, that's what they do these days. But yeah. then Carnahan, he starts working with Tom Cruise on Mission Impossible, and he goes, you know what, man? Like, I don't think we're seeing eye to eye. And yeah. he drops out. He yeah. just drops out. I don't like, need this. Yeah, he doesn't get fired. He's just like, nah, I'm good. Like what you're what you're laying down, I'm not driving with. And then he makes Smoke and Aces, which is his still his best film, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, he gets that ball rolling and suddenly he gets to headline the A team and yada yada yada. Then here comes Will Smith wanting to make Bad Boys 3 with him. And he's like, of course, you know, and I you know me, I'm team, you know, no bay, no way when it comes to Michael Bay properties. Like, sure. so if, if he's not involved, no thanks. But Carnahan directing, I was like, ooh, yes, that's fine. That's a fine yeah. substitute. Then he and Will Smith, suddenly we're not seeing eye to eye. And he's like, you know what, Will? I think you want to make this movie more than I do. And he backs away again. Like, screw it. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And then and then what does he do? He goes and he makes boss level and then this movie because these are the movies he wants to make. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he was also an early adopter of uh, uh, Jason Blum's thing. Like when Jason Blum first popped up making the $5 million movies, Carnahan was like, hey, man, sign me up. Fucking A. Yeah. You know, and he makes Stretch, which is another just great movie, you know. And and that's why I think he's more of an inspiration than any of these like other like modern indie directors, because he's the guy who will only make the stuff he wants to make the way he wants to do it. And in my opinion, that's what a director should be. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And if he doesn't want it, he backs away. 
that that is a way to be especially with the way movies are nowadays and with the way budgets are and what what people want out of movies and so yeah i mean to have that kind of a voice and to stick to it is really admirable but uh let, let's start getting into yeah. some puzzle pieces here <laughs> and uh what, what do you have for your first one okay yeah yeah um my first piece i want to get like the um the more obvious ones out of the way you know uh -huh. what i mean because I, I actually i i found a few my first one is um i'll just go with jackie brown mm -hmm. right out of the gate because you have you know the strong female black lead you know is like kind of the obvious nod sure. you, you know what i mean but when you watch the movie um it's actually the the cut I saw was a little bit different from the final released cut, like mm -hmm. it was a little longer, um, and not like that there were more scenes. There was a little bit more with Huber, the fat, you know, the, like evil cop guy. Yeah, but the rhythm of the editing was much more set to like a funk, laid back soul kind of approach, and the score I think speaks to that too, a lot yeah. like Jackie Brown. You know what I mean? And then also the ending. You know, gosh, it's so tough to not want to spoil this movie because I know that most people who are listening haven't seen it. But, you know, it's your fault. Not yeah. you. I mean that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but the very end of the movie when they're driving uh, after one another, you know, and, and playing the song on the radio and singing the song like you can't help yeah. but think of Pam Greer at the end of Jackie Brown. Totally. That is that end of Jackie Brown. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. No, that, that that's a great uh, piece to kick it off with. And, you know, I might as well just jump right on top of that with Reservoir Dogs because, uh, you know, getting mm -hmm. all the Tarantino out there right now. Uh, that was the first thing that came to mind for me. All these violent criminals with plenty of snappy dialogue trapped in a single location, basically. And in this case, it's within a, a jail cell instead of this warehouse situation like in Reservoir Dogs. But nobody trusts each other. They're all, you know, you have no idea at any given moment who is going to be, uh, you know, the, the one that's trustworthy or not. It's just, right. it's everything is kept completely close to the vest right up until the very end. And uh, it's just a fun, tension-filled thriller basically yeah it actually kind of unfolds a little bit like reservoir dogs too in that like the trailers tried to sell it as the trait i should say the trailer tried right, to sell right. it like <laughs> as a i go to the movies three times a week i saw that trailer one time yeah you yeah. know what i mean uh but anyways like the trailer tries to sell it as like a slam bang action movie you know and it's really not that movie. no no and yeah. and and like reservoir dogs the violence is like the last third of the movie. You know what I mean? Right. It's all kind of building and ramping to that. You know it's coming, but it's not right. dished out through the whole time. A exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, and and honestly, when you go back and watch like even Smoke and Aces, it's actually the exact same way. Mm. Like Smoke and Aces is a lot of buildup. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but, you know, we've talked about before with Tarantino movies, you know, I've done a couple Tarantino-themed episodes with you. Um, sure. Three, I think. Uh we, you know, I talk about how Reservoir Dogs is just not my favorite, you know what right. I mean? And it's because, you know, as I said, then it's him speaking it out loud for the first time. And that's going to be kind of, you know, clunky while he's trying to find his voice, if you will. Mm. But uh, he and Carnahan, you know, he uh, obviously Carnahan happened because of him, you know, in like the post Pulp Fiction derivative world of indie filmmaking. You know, Carnahan was was one of them for sure. But yeah. he was one that broke through. You, you know what I mean? Sure. So without without Reservoir Dogs, we don't have Carnahan, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So. No, I, I think that totally makes sense. Yeah. Jackie uh, Brown's better. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think maybe, you know, it's funny you say that because, like, 
on my last Tarantino rewatch, I think I'm starting to get there myself. I mean, yeah. Jackie Brown, it's just every viewing of that movie, it just gets better and better and better. I agree. You know, I like I, I stand by that like Inglorious Bastards is still my favorite, although Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, you know, I mean, we're a year away from figuring out whether or not that's my favorite movie of all time. Mm. But but Jackie Brown is the only Tarantino movie that, like you said, actually gets better every time I see it. Right, and I see it right. pretty often. It was one of the major influences on the movie I just made on a nice. Natasha Hall too. So awesome. Well, what do you got for your next piece? My next piece is the other obvious one, but with a slight twist. You know, mm-hmm. uh, my next piece is Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Sure, but not the Carpenter one. Okay, because the Carpenter one is, you know, I mean, it's like just like these bad guys trying to get in to kill the cops or whatever. What I actually uh, is the remake is where I'm coming from. Because what I liked about the remake, which the remake is better than it had any right to be. Um, I like that it's about cops trying to get in to kill the prisoner. Okay. Right. So like, that's why the cop can't call for, that's why Ethan Hawke can't call for help in Assault on Precinct 13. It's because it's a bunch of crooked cops that all are tied directly to Lawrence Fishburne's criminal character that Uh want him dead because you know what I mean? Which is a very similar premise to this, you know? Sure. You know, and, uh, that is one thing that the, this new theatrical release cut of the movie um, kind of like I don't I wouldn't say like messed up because I, I don't think it messed anything up in particular. But you had a clearer sense of like the organization coming at Alexis Louder's character like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other black detective, the one who like, you know, double crosses her in the end. Like, yeah, it's a little it's a little clearer who she is. In I was going to say that is, that is my least favorite part of the movie, actually, because I was like, wait a minute, who I didn't even realize that was a major character when that. Happened, right. You know, you get yeah. there was one scene with her toward the beginning that was in the cut I saw that was cut out where it really solidifies her in your mind, not just as a figure on TV, but an actual character. And uh-huh. then when she calls her in the middle of the movie and it's revealed that she's hiding the bodies in the in the lake or whatever, you're like, oh, shit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But as it stands now, like when my wife went to go see it with me, when that woman popped up at the end and shot her, she's like, who's that? Right. Like, right. Like, That's it, how it, I was. It, yeah. They also cut a little bit of Teddy's backstory from what I saw, too. Just a little bit. And like mm-hmm. when he calls his um his girlfriend or his ex-wife at the beginning and doesn't get through to her, you know? Yeah. Um, in the version I saw originally, they show inside her apartment and you see blood everywhere on like a sink and a sink running. And mm. I actually, I wrote on my little like note card thing to them, like that they asked where I wrote, cut that out. We don't need to know that. Like we don't need to know what Teddy doesn't know. <laughs> right. Because I'm a subjective kind of filmmaker and watcher. But honestly, I was wrong. When I saw mm. this cut, I was like, no, you need the shot of the sink. Sure, like sure. that way we're on Teddy's side. Yeah, for sure. What was my piece? Well, Assault on Precinct 13. <laughs> Assault on Precinct 13. Good good piece. Uh, I actually did have the Carpenter one on my list just because, I mean, it is an obvious thing, but I've never seen the remake, so I'm going to have to watch that one of these days. But uh, I'll instead of bringing his version up, well, I guess I just did bring it up, but, you know, instead <laughs> of using that as my piece, uh, I'll use that as a uh, jumping off point to a different piece, which is kind of late 70s, early 80s slasher movies. Um, mm-hmm. I, I felt a lot of the vibe in the police station through uh, 
I, I guess not the first act, so I guess it would be the second act of the film once we're like stuck in the police station and people are just kind of being picked off and there's like a lot of fun cues within the, the score, uh, a lot of like mystery stuff and, and, and things like that. It felt like before shit pops off in a horror movie, you know, in a slasher horror movie. And so I, I thought of, I thought of those Carpenter movies like Halloween and stuff like that. I, I thought of, uh, even like Friday the 13th and things like that, just slasher movies in general, the way that that kind of sequence plays out once people start dying. I agree. And I mean, Anthony, you know, the hitman, Tony, you know, he's, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a, he's a total like Freddy Krueger type character. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. Somebody who's just relishing in the, in the fun of, of, of chaos. He has um, so much fun in this movie. That that actor is so great. Yeah, well, yeah, that was another thing when I saw it. Uh, you know, I felt when he started singing, you know, I was like, ah, oh, that's a little too much. You kind of jumped the shark with the character a little. But mm-hmm. then at the end, when they play that song, I was like, oh, that motherfucker. <laughs> he was setting me up for the perfect ending. That oh, all Joe Carnahan, how dare I doubt you, my friend. <laughs> that is good, though. I, I like that. I'm not really a, an aficionado of, of of horror, especially from that era. And I think uh-huh. that, you know, you talk, you guys talked about it a little bit on your Malignant episode, which, um, you, you know, and, and, and I'm starting to get the itch. You know, we're getting into the Halloween season and, you know, mm-hmm. like I might have to instead of this year, just going back to my classics, I might have to like branch out a little bit. Sure, sure. Well, you know what? And thank you for bringing up Malignant, by the way, because Mm -hmm. uh, 2021, the year of mayhem inside of police stations, it seems like. Oh, for sure. For sure. And and (laughs) like you guys uh, last week, I also will not be using Terminator as a puzzle piece. Uh Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, The next one I have is um, Rio Bravo, uh, the John Wayne film, which is... um, you know, Carpenter, among many other people, is directly influenced by that movie. Assault on Precinct 13 is directly influenced by Rio Bravo. Have you ever seen it? I haven't, no. Yeah, I, I hate uh, John Wayne movies. I really do. Sorry, Dad, but I do. <laughs> but um, but I, I really loved Rio Bravo. And in it, he plays like a sheriff who arrests this kid at the beginning who's like drunk in a bar. And that kid is like the son of like the worst, like, you know, gang mem- gangster, like in the old West. Mm. And so he's holding him there waiting for um, like a U.S. Marshal to come get him and take him from this little small town, mm. knowing that that kid, that kid's brother and his gang are on their way to come like break him out. Sure. So John Wayne has to get like his ex-deputy, who's now the town drunk, played by Dean Martin, and this uh, young kid played by Ricky Nelson, who they have to they have to hold down the jail right um and and another reason why it comes to mind too is because in the middle of it there's just a really random musical number nice where <laughs> like and like a full blown like just them like you know singing like like old cowboy songs while they're like alone in this you know uh, you could try things jail. like that back then i guess exactly and and like i remember seeing it for the first time and when that happened i was like what the fuck mm-hmm. but then by the end of the song i was like that was lovely yeah, <laughs> what a lovely song. And I, you know, I think that about like a uh, cop shop as well, with like the singing in the middle. Like, uh, you know, there's there's a, a sing songy kind of uh, feeling to this movie for sure. Sure, yeah, and and you really just never have any idea where this is gonna go as far as you, you know what what's gonna happen, who's gonna get out, who's gonna be. Like I said earlier, you really don't know who's gonna truly be the worst of the bad guys you know there, there's just really it's so unpredictable right. which is what makes it so much fun that's performances too though and like and carnahan 
like Tarantino again is able to I feel like actors like Gerard Butler and Frank Grillo especially they're actors who have just been coasting their whole careers on their charisma right in my right. opinion like I don't think they're either of them are particularly good actors right but they're both brilliant in this and it's because I think Carnahan like Tarantino knows how to utilize like that star quality in somebody but mm. make them step just out of character enough where they have to like figure it out yeah and that elicits like a great like i think frank grillo is like aces in this like he's yeah. so good you know what i mean um so much so that teddy's twist is you know a betrayal sure you know yeah. what i mean so yeah, yeah, and I mean, and along with Alexis Lauder's great performance, sure. I think acting against these two kinds of actors uh, really, really accents what she's doing. You I know? agree. It, yeah, against these two big, like, movie star type actors, you know? When I saw it, I'm watching the movie thinking, who the fuck is this, like, sonic boom? You mm. know what I mean? And then the lights come up at the end of the movie, and the woman sitting just a couple seats over from me stands up and goes, things are coming out, and then... And enjoying our hard work. And it was her. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like three <laughs> nice. feet away from her the whole, you know, like, and, and she like, she actually stood outside of the theater and took pictures with everybody. Like they made a line and like people just came up and took pictures with her for like an hour. As far as That's I could awesome. tell. I mean, I didn't get in line. I was too nervous. She's so mm. good. We're Facebook friends now, though. No, there you go. Not All just right. her fan page either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll go on to my next piece here. Uh, a movie I didn't really like that much, but I love the idea of. Uh, that's 2016's Free Fire from Ben Wheatley. A similar movie to Reservoir Dogs in a way. I think if this podcast had been around, Reservoir Dogs would have been a piece on that one. But uh, I, I especially wanted to include it as a separate piece because... You get that shot in the beginning uh, here, here in Cop Shop of all those guns that mm -hmm. are that are in the police station, and you just know they are all going to get used, every last one of them, and just how great of a foreshadowing that is. And then also, I think it was called Gun Creek Police Station. So I mean, just all of it. You just know that there's just pure violence coming, but we just we wait until it pops off, you know? Yeah, D dude. Free Fire is another movie that I saw a pre-screening of. Like, mm -hmm. a year before it came out, I had no idea what it was or what it was about. I just saw Army Hammer was in it, and I was like, yeah. I'm in. You know, this is before. Free, <laughs> but, but anyways, uh, yeah. um, I don't kink shame. No, um, yes. but but <laughs> I I was, no pun intended, blown away by Free Fire. Like, I had mm -hmm. never seen a movie like that. I thought it was brilliant. And uh, I actually got asked to stay afterward for, like, the little 10-person, like, you know, um, uh, what's it called? Focus group? Uh -huh. And they were like, if you could come up with one tagline for this movie, what would it be? And I raised my hand and I was like, we got you covered because like they're actually in an umbrella factory in that movie. And, nice. the, and you know, the guy laughs he's like, ha ha ha, you want a job? And I'm like, that's not funny. Yeah, I do. But <laughs> as I left, they actually made me sign a little NDA just in case they used it. And I was like, I thought you were offering me a job. You fucking liars. Anyways, but that was another one that for like a year, I was like telling people like cop shop. I was like, guys, when a movie called Free Fire comes out, you got to check this movie out. It, it's it's the best. It's the best thing I've seen all year. Now. That movie, when it came out, I wear a watch with me when I go to these things because I'm always curious to know the runtime. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, Free Fire, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I remember that when it came out, I saw the runtime was almost 20 minutes shorter than what I had seen hmm. when it finally came out. So I've actually still never seen the theatrically released version because it wasn't met with a lot of like, 
you know, excitement or praise, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. And I was certain that the version I saw was, was the next Reservoir Dogs, if you will. You sure. Know? Yeah. Um, but uh, so I've never seen it out of fear that they like ruined what I thought was a brilliant film. Yeah, I'm curious because I, I, I remember just loving the concept and just thinking execution wise, it just didn't quite work out, but uh, still an interesting movie. Did you like Army Hammer in it? Army Hammer's good. Army Hammer's oh. good in most things. I agree. So. I, I, I was really relieved to see somebody finally let him have fun with the character. Because right. even in The Lone Ranger, which is one of my favorites of the last decade, he was like the straight man. You know mm. what I mean? And I liked that in this, he was like the wisecracking, almost like a Harrison Ford, early Harrison Ford character. Sure, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, well, what do you got for your next piece? Okay, so I have two more pieces, and they're both a little bit of a stretch, sort of. One of mm -hmm. them is the Adam Sandler, Damon Wayans uh, hit film, Bulletproof. Okay. What I liked about that was the... Uh, have you seen that movie? Uh, it's since probably opening weekend, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's one of those, for sure. Like, yeah. I, I hadn't seen it in 20 years or whatever until, like, a, a couple of months ago. It popped in my head, and I was like, yeah, that... It's time. It's time yeah. to revisit Bulletproof. <laughs> but that's another movie about a cop having to trust a criminal and a mm. criminal who, like, double crosses him as far as he can tell, but maybe he was wrong. And then, like, the cops themselves are, like, double crossing him. And, like, you know what I mean? It's it's just another yeah. one of those, like, you know, criminal, almost like 16 Blocks, the most deaf movie. You know, sure. Oh, wow. What? I hope you did. 16 Blocks. That's another not, not on my list, but yeah, yeah put it on well, there. That, that's probably because you saw it. But um, but uh, <laughs> it, it, that's another one. You know, Bruce Willis having to get that, you know, most deaf to the uh, to the courthouse. You know what I mean? And all the cops sure. trying to kill him because he has all the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely no I'm, I'm glad you brought those up though because like yeah i was trying to think of a good one for that same concept of like the the cop that has to trust the criminal otherwise mm -hmm. they're just not gonna you know get through the situation right yeah 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 that's yeah so uh, a, a double piece bulletproof and 16 blocks there you go those those work just fine all i'm um, saying is adam sandler <laughs> you know he's a little more progressive than people give him credit for 16 blocks you know of course the black guy is the criminal but yeah. in bulletproof no 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 the black guy is the cop uh-huh adam sandler also was like his production company was like hiring a lot of women to direct uh, his films and stuff. i'm just throwing that out there he's you know adam sandler he's a treasure he's more than a treasure he's a fucking diamond in the rough sure is well, uh, I'll go on to another piece here. Um, I was just going to bring up Shane Black in general. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that's kind of a Carnahan thing anyway. But, you know, still we could use it for this. Uh, maybe go with Lethal Weapon. Um, you know, but just cops, snappy dialogue. None of the smaller characters being wasted. Like, everybody's got, like, little moments and little funny bits and, and mm -hmm. all that. And everybody, like, felt factors into the story. So, you know, a lot of that kind of Shane Black energy. And also a hothead sarcasm sergeant you know so oh, yeah. got a, a lot of that stuff going on too well shane black's greatest strength and is that he leans into the cliches you know yes, what i mean exactly. like, like that's his greatest strength is that he like he 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 leans into those like types and and but he like you know hits him with a sledgehammer you know what i mean almost yes. like he's almost like the pulp version of oliver stone or something like that you know sure. what I mean? as a writer and carnahan is very similar um i actually uh I should I should email Shane see what he thinks of this movie. He's kind of 
just living in his house right now, not really talking to the outside world, from what I understand. He, but he he must have. Uh, I I could just imagine all of these just unfinished scripts that he probably just one after another after another starts and stops. Oh yeah, well I mean my favorite screenplay maybe of all time is actually Last Action Hero and that final draft, the draft he did. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love Shane, uh, both as a person and as a filmmaker. I don't think he quite has what Carnahan has, especially as a director. I've never Mm. been in love with any of the movies he's directed. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I know that there's a big falling out there for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and The Nice Guys, but I thought that The Nice Guys especially was just, like, really heartbreaking. Like, can you imagine... The Nice Guys. I love it. But can you imagine if Joe Carnahan had directed The Nice Guys... You know what I mean? Like somebody who has a better sense of like rhythm for action and comedy, like as a director, like, I don't know. I just, I like his scripts are so good that I feel like they deserve the best treatment. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And sure. I don't know if he's that guy. Well, I think the nice guys is perfect as is, but I, Uh, I, I I like Carnahan though. So I'm sure he would have done a great job as well. For sure. I mean, my favorite Shane Black movie is still Iron Man 3, but that's only because it has Rebecca Hall in it. So There you go. That that, that will help. That yeah, will. You have no idea. I sat through all of the Night House, David. Um, well, what do you got for your last piece? My last piece is uh, it's an early Gene Hackman film. It's an early Michael Ritchie film, the guy who did uh, Golden Child and Bad News Bears. and uh, hmm. um, It's an early film called Prime Cut. Okay. And Prime Cut is a movie about a Gene Hackman plays a gangster from Chicago who's moved to Kansas. And mm-hmm. um, he's like kind of like their their leg in Kansas, but he hasn't been like paying his dues to them. And so the 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 Chicago mafia sends somebody to go get, you know, the money he owes them. But Gene Hackman kills him and sends him back to them as hot dogs. Like he, like the whole opening credit sequence is them in like a hot dog factory turning this guy into hot dogs. Nice. So the Chicago Mafia they send their strongest enforcer, who is uh, Lee Marvin, yeah, out to go get him. And um, he and he and Gene Hackman, it gets revealed, have like a past where like Gene Hackman like took his took Lee Marvin's wife. So there's a lot of like cat and mouse, tongue and cheek. I'm gonna get you when the time is right. Kind of mm. quality to it. Um and. It is. Have you ever seen this movie? I have not. No, we we just uh, we just watched for awesome movie or Point Blank uh, just a few months back, and yeah. So Lee Marvin, just in general, what, what a fun character. This movie is so much better than Point Blank. This yeah. movie, it's not even ninety minutes. It's like really short. It was also um, Sissy Spacek's first movie. She okay. plays a like the first time we see Gene Hackman himself in this movie, just to give you an idea, is when Lee Marvin and his two bodyguards and his chauffeur go to this giant barn out in Kansas. And when they go inside the barn, it's just a bunch of pig pens with naked, drugged out women in them that he's selling on the black market. And Gene Hackman's sitting yeah. at the far end of the bar at this giant table eating gizzards. You know what I mean? Like and and Talk we, about movie movies. This yeah, is one of yeah. those. Yeah. Sissy Spacek is one of them. And Lee Marvin, just to kind of throw his weight around, like to show Gene Hackman that his number is up, just takes her, picks her up. He's like, I'm taking her with me. And mm-hmm. like, and, and Gene Hackman's brother and main henchman gets so mad at him, he throws a pitchfork at Lee Marvin's limousine and it like wedges in the door and they just drive off with this pitchfork in there. The movie is so good. Um, I'm going to have to watch it. It's going yeah. on the list. Yeah, it, dude, and it's so short. Like, like it, by the time it's over, you're just like, oh, oh, 
like because you can watch it for another hour. Yeah, it's yeah. so it's so awesome. And really, so like the the reason I think of it as the puzzle piece, like I said, is like the two like sides of a criminal underworld, like that cat and mouse. I'm gonna get you. No, I'm gonna get you. Kind of sure. quality where it, but but really, I mean, like fifty percent of the reason why I bring it up is just so I can tell people to watch Prime Cut. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, <laughs> that sounds like a great movie. It's going on my watch list for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with my my final piece, and that is Martin McDonough's uh, Seven Psychopaths, mainly because we get that whole scene where they're going on about who is actually a psychopath in this. So it could be three psychopaths. This movie. That's no. true. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like, that's a very Shane Black-esque movie, too. It very much is. Yeah. You know, I, I was really excited for that movie, um, even though what was the one he did right before that that everybody loved? Oh, In Bruges. In, in Bruges. Yeah. I didn't love it. Like, I, I remember seeing it because I heard such good things. And, and, and I remember thinking, I was like, eh, it kind of lost me in the middle. Yeah. But Seven Psychopaths, when I see Tom Waits in anything, I'm there. Like, that's sure. a given. And I was watching it, and I was like, this is okay. And then I told somebody, I only saw it because Tom Waits is in it. And they're like, oh, did you know that originally it was supposed to be Mickey Rourke? But, like, he blah, 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 so they got Tom Waits instead. And I was like, wait. Hmm. So Tom Waits wasn't his first choice? <laughs> oh, no. Well, I mean, that I mean that shows. But that's still my favorite. come do this? Oh, yeah. That's still my favorite of his movies. I did not like Three Billboards at mm -hmm. all. Um, yeah, like at all. I, his brother, um, what's his brother's name? Because his brother's a filmmaker too, and mm. I've liked his movies a lot more. And that's such a shame that I can't remember his name, even though I like his movies uh, a lot more. He did that movie. What was it called? War on Everyone with uh, okay. Alexander Skarsgård and uh, I remember. Uh, I remember Michael Pena. Yeah, yeah. And Theo I didn't Mont. realize that he had a brother that was a filmmaker. Yeah, that's that's that. that's that. Yeah, he also did The Guard with Don Cheadle. Okay, um, I remember he that. He did one more, I can't remember. But I actually like his movies a lot. Like, I really mm. love... Have you seen The War on Everyone? I feel like I did when it first came out, but I, I don't remember it that much. It's so good. It's 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 a movie where both of the cops are crooked cops. And John it's like Michael a, McDonough. That's, that's him, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, but, it, well, like, what's funny is that Theo James, he's the villain, and his little henchman is, is, is Caleb Landry Jones. Mm -hmm. And Caleb is the guy in three billboards who sells right. billboards. But he got that gig because he was in war on everyone. Sure. And Marvin was like, I like this kid, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but, but war on everyone, if you guys haven't seen it, it's like a, it's like observe and report and lethal weapon had a baby. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I mean only the good parts of both of those movies. Sure, like it, sure. war on everyone's <laughs> really cool. All right, um, that that's going on the watch list too. Some uh, some good good recommendations on this episode. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> they say great minds think alike, and I think Joe Carnahan is definitely high up on the great minds list. So absolutely. Well, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and do the finished puzzle here, and then we'll get into some closing thoughts. But uh, we talked about Jackie Brown, Reservoir Dogs, Assault on Precinct 13. I guess both versions. Uh, slasher movies, Rio Bravo, Free Fire. Bulletproof and 16 Blocks, uh, Shane Black Films, Prime Cut, and Seven Psychopaths. Uh, we also, of course, talked about a bunch of Carnahan's, Smoking Aces, mm -hmm. and, you know, so, of course, you gotta, you gotta include Carnahan in a movie like this, but, um, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's so much fun. I hope people seek this out once it hits VOD. I think this is a movie that could do a lot better at home, hopefully, even though I wish more people were seeing it in the theater. 
I agree. Well, I mean, I will say this about it. Like, I've seen it in the theater now, not including when I saw the pre- I've seen it three times since it's, like, release. You know what I mean? Once was to bring my girlfriend, or my wife. Oh, shit. My wife. Oh, once was to, <laughs> once was to, uh, you know, on my own, and then once was with another buddy. But each time there was an audience of about, you know, well, time with her, there's like, like 10 people, you know, 10, right. 20, 10 to 20, that range. But I, the audience was so vocal during yes. the movie like their reaction my, my screening their... as well yeah right yeah like this is a movie that like and i think that that may be ultimately why they decided to release it in the theater because like what are you going to lose you know what i mean yeah like um and and it is an audience movie it's a movie that makes you go woo you know what i mean yeah. like it's 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 but it definitely i think will have a really good home on demand and in red box especially kind of like what they did with boss level sure yeah. We got two Joe Carnahan movies in one year. I'm just I know. And Boss yeah. Level is really good actually. We didn't cover it on on piecing it together. We never did an episode, but um you know, as far as the because that's so popular right now, the whole uh loop-based movie mm-hmm. and it, it feels like it how are you going to do it and make it interesting again even though they just keep doing it and doing it, but uh that one does it interesting because it's just so over the top. I agree. I actually, that was another one I saw in a test screening. And David, I saw that shit in a test screening in 2018. My God. That like, was a I, long time yeah, ago. Yeah, they made that movie a while back. Mm. And um, and I I think it got delayed because of Bad Boys. Like, I think there mm. was like, he, you know, because he was working on that at the time. So I think that. Sure. But, um, but I didn't, I didn't love it. I really mm-hmm. liked it, you know, but it was, but I didn't love it because I, I felt like it needed like another 5 million for its effects. Mm. And I felt like Frank Grillo was just so wrong. He's not, he's not the best actor. Yeah. And, he's not, you know, he's not Bruce Willis. Like they obviously mm. wanted him to be like a Bruce Willis, but he's not, he comes across as an asshole. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. as like a, you know, thinks this shit don't stink kind of guy. And you can't erase that quality from him. Right. Um, which is why he's so perfect as Teddy. But when I saw it again, when it finally came out, this, it came out in February or March yes. of this it, year. It, it was it was it was right before the pandemic and everything, wasn't it? No, 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 no. It came out this year. It came out like March of like 2021. It came out uh, while we were making Natasha Hall. So it was March. Time is just a blur. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. But but <laughs> but when I saw it again, it hadn't changed. It hadn't changed mm-hmm. a frame as far as I could remember, and yeah. I liked it much more. Because like knowing that like, oh, you know, without with a different actor and more effects, this would be great. I was like, yeah, once you have that in mind, this movie's fucking great, actually. Yeah. yeah. And that's how he and Frank Grillo kind of partnered up. So when I heard that he and Frank Grillo partnered up after that and they were coming out with a new movie called Cop Shop, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But like talk about more than a pleasant surprise, like, you know, and it, and it feels nice to be surprised by somebody whose work you already love. Yeah. You know what sure. I mean? I hope Absolutely. I can say that when Rob Zombie's The Monsters comes out. No, we, we will see, that's for sure. Yeah, I, you're right, I will see. Mm-hmm. I will see that movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, th- I think that does it for Cop Shop, and yeah, I, I look forward to uh, going back and revisiting Smoke and Aces after this, actually, uh, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen in a long, long time, and I've been wanting to watch it because it's come up here and piecing it together a bunch of time as a puzzle piece. It's it's a masterpiece. Like we, My wife, after she saw Cop Shop, she was like, Let's watch Smoking Aces because I don't think she'd ever seen it actually, and she was like flabbergasted. She, it's been a week now, and she's asked every day like, "We should watch that again," or like, "Can we watch that?" Again? Yes. She's been like telling people at work about it. You know, like that movie is unbelievably good. 
Yeah. Like it's it's almost I almost feel like it's the kind of movie that Tarantino wishes that he could make. Mm. Meaning that like he has such a prestige behind his name. Right. He has to make the right. next big Tarantino movie. He can't just make something scrappy and Right. Fun. And last yeah. time he tried to do that was from Dust Till Dawn, but even that he kind of like took a step back and was like, mm-hmm. you know, or like even Death Proof is kind of that movie. You know what I right. mean? Like like Smoke and Aces though. And it's something that I wish filmmakers, this goes into the closing thoughts, by the way. Sure. It's absolutely. something that I wish that uh, filmmakers would do more of these days, which is, so like Joe Carnahan talked about how that movie was his response to the Iraq war. Mm-hmm. Like this idea of like, we were sold on this idea of why we were over there. The idea that was not the truth, you know what I mean? And the reality was something a little more nefarious and greed driven, right? Mm-hmm. And aimless, but it caused like it, it caused loss of numerous lives and it caused, you know what I mean? Like it was about his uh, his frustration with the truth being revealed about the Iraq war. Sure. And that's shown through the Ryan Reynolds character, you know, and then at the end he pulls the the plugs, you know what I mean? Because he's completely defeated or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's very evident that that's where he's coming from. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and I wish that filmmakers today would do the same, would, would actually utilize the tools of filmmaking to express an idea rather than just capitalize on what's going on or mm-hmm. tell us directly what they're thinking about a particular thing. You, right. you know what I mean? Like, we've seen so many movies in the last couple of years about police brutality against black people. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? And it's starting to feel exploitative at this point. You, right. you know what I mean? Like, and and I and I wish that we would go back to an era where we use film as an allegory or film as a metaphor and where people don't need to be spoon fed what they're taking in because we're so desperate as as a mainstream audience, as far as I can see, we're so desperate. We have to know now. Right. It's more important that we know than it is that we think and or experience something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I use the Matrix as a great example where it's like. Back when The Matrix came out, you couldn't tell your friends at work what you thought about the movie for three days when it came out. You know what I mean? So you had three days to, like, let the high settle and also let the film sink in before you start. You know what I mean? And, and like, nowadays, it's like you're telling your friends via your phone what you thought of it as you're, like, getting up out of the seat. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, like, I, I hope that Carnahan inspires that. I, I hope that the pendulum swings in that direction for a little while now, where we stop using film as a way to, like, propagate our agendas, and we use it more to make allegories about our belief systems. With hitmen and, and you know, and yeah. and, and magicians and Vegas and, you know, all that. With a fun movie movie. That's, exactly. That's... Yes, exactly. absolutely. Bring back movies. Fuck film. <laughs> yes, there you go. That, that's a good closing thought. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> well, Joe, I've been bracing myself for what I think is going to be your recommendation of another movie you watched recently that you'd like to recommend to our listeners. What movie do you think that that is that I'm going to say? Do you think it's going to be Dear Evan Hansen? I think that's what it's going to be. Is that is what it's going to be? Is that what you really think it's going to be? Well... <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay. yes, I do recommend that everybody go see Dear Evan Hansen because it's a movie about empathy and the fact that people are calling him sociopath speaks a lot about our current audience uh, mindset. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, uh, no, I uh, no, I was going to recommend 1941. Okay. Which is um, a Steven Spielberg movie. I can't remember if I recommended it on the last one. 
I think you did. Yes, That's you great. did. I'm still going to recommend it because recommend it I, all over again. I yeah. still <laughs> haven't stopped thinking about that movie. Uh-huh. Um, I, you know, and I, I got the Blu-ray and I sat through a, a torturous uh, two hour laser disc uh, edition making of uh, documentary. It was like on the laser disc and the quality is laser disc quality on the Blu-ray of this making of this movie. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just it's just such a movie of pure craft. It's such a and again, I hate I hate to boost up Spielberg, but I really got to recommend it again. Like I haven't I haven't experienced that from a movie since we last talked on here you know what i mean and and i've seen so many movies since then you know like motherfucker like um but yes dear evan hansen good call it's a very good film Um, okay you have to love musicals yeah dear evan hansen i'm probably not gonna get to but 1941 i literally just added to my watch list on box so i'm i'm very i'm gonna do it I'm very curious to see what uh, what what all the movies you've said that I've talked about with you that you said I'm adding to my watch list. I'm very curious to see what that li- that list in particular. That list, list has a lot of stuff on it, a lot of weird <laughs> stuff. I did watch Fool's Gold. That was one of your random uh, recommendations. If I had yeah. to pick one out of all of them, <laughs> yeah. Somebody on your group page the other day talked about how to lose a guy in ten days, and it was an opportunity for me to be like, hey, you "Ever heard of a Fool's Gold?" Whenever you get the chance, you got to do it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Joe, why don't you tell people uh, what you got going on with your film and uh, everything you're doing? Oh, yes. Um, Natasha Hall, the movie we completed, um, we did our premiere for it in uh, August, and uh, it went very well. We um, we actually just got into our first film festival. Um, awesome. It's the only time I, I... So I got into Chad's film festival, uh, Polygrind. My producer at the time, Joe O'Neill, submitted it just to that because I think he just wanted to go to Vegas. And he wanted an excuse and we got in. So that was really nice. But this is the first time that I've ever like tried to put one of my movies into a film festival. And we got into the Treasure Coast International Film Festival. I have no idea the level of legitimacy of this festival. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been around for 15 years and the guy who like runs Power Rangers is going to be there. So that's kind of cool, I guess. That's nice. Um, but we uh, we found out that we are not only selected, but we are the closing night film. Nice. Um, which is cool. And we are also nominated for uh, Best Picture, Director, Screenplay, Cinematography. Uh, my wife is nominated for Best Actor. And uh, we're nominated for Best Editing, which is, awesome. you know, that, that's kind of funny because it's, uh, I, I, I edit my movies, but I use a fake name because I don't like mm-hmm. to see my name up in the credits a million times. Sure. So I use the name um, Philip Meditor or Phil Meditor. Nice. And it I was like very it. funny to see their nominations and they're like, like on their websites, like, you know, best editing Philip Meditor. And I was nice. like, nice. That, that's a name right there. Yeah, we're very happy. <laughs> well, my costume designer name is Corey McManus. My production designer name is Gustavo Devora. Cinematographer, when I do that, is Franklin Ghost McKenzie. And my producer name is now Brian George and Jacqueline Rose. That's a twofer. Oh, okay. um, very yeah, nice. They're a brother sister duo. Um, ah, gotcha. But, uh, I'm hoping to screen it in Vegas uh, sometime soon. I, I want to. Sc- I'm also going to screen it in Jacksonville while I'm out. I'm going to go to Treasure Coast to, to that film festival, and the weekend before I'm going to screen it in Jacksonville, Florida. So we're looking to screen it in Vegas and um, Denver, Colorado, before the year end as well. That's awesome. I, I'm really happy to uh, hear about the festival, and uh, I, I look forward to hearing more about the film and finally getting to see it sometime soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to make that happen sooner than later, I'm sure, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, Joe, uh, thank you, as always, for for joining me here on Piecing It Together. And I know we have a couple lined up for later in the year, but uh, I look forward to next time. 
Yeah, same. Hi, I'm Kay. And I'm Jay. And we give you the Fuck My Work Life podcast. The weekly podcast where we read your workplace stories to you. Hilarious mishaps. I lost my balance and grabbed the only thing I could to steady myself. I grabbed the teetering stack of about eight sheets of drywall. I hit all of my knees and elbows on the way down. (laughs) All of them. them. (laughs) Workplace shenanigans. Carl and Ted had super glued all Bob's pencils and pens to his desk. (laughs) Full disclosure, I smoked a lot of weed at that time. (laughs) Awkward encounters. As he's wandering around the party girl section of a clothing store. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at FMWLPOD. That's FMWLPOD. Email your stories to FMWLPOD at gmail.com. That's FMWLPOD at gmail.com. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Cop Shop. Thank you, as always, to Joe Black for joining me on that episode. And thank you, as always, to all of you for listening to this podcast. Uh, Like I said at the top of the show, we've been getting so many new listeners lately. Those downloads just going up and up and up. And I I wish I knew how or why. I wish there was a really good way of tracking that stuff. But uh, they really don't make it easy, let me tell you. But I just am happy to see those numbers going up because I want people to listen to the show. And I want to keep making the show. And I want to keep making it better. So please, if you like what we're doing here on Piecing It Together... Get in touch and let me know what you like about it, what you don't like about it. You can rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or Good Pods. Give us a five-star review. That's nice. But also leave a a nice little review. Let us know what you actually think. Or just get in touch with me, of course. You can email me directly, bydavidrosen at gmail.com. You know, also, if you want to join me for an upcoming episode of Piecing It Together, get in touch with me. Uh, But you could also DM me, you know, on Twitter, at PiecingPod, or join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Piece and uh, get in touch with me that way but always looking for new guests here on the show and also always looking for feedback on the show itself so uh yeah make sure you're subscribed share the show with your friends check out that produced by david rosen patreon all that stuff uh the usuals you know Uh, I also want to mention quickly, because this episode will be coming out just after the blog post about my new album uh, you guys all know, hopefully by now, that I am a music composer, technically a music composer first, podcaster second, even though it doesn't seem that way nowadays, but uh, my website for my music is bydavidrosen.com, like as in music by David Rosen. Uh, you should check out bydavidrosen.com, not only because there's lots of great stuff there from all my albums and links to some of the films I've scored and my reel and all kinds of other stuff, but I also just posted a new blog post with all the info about my new album, The Dissection Table. This is a soundtrack to a film that I scored way back in 2015. The film itself never got finished, and it's just been sitting on the back burner. I've been waiting for people to hear this score, and I finally got the go-ahead to just go release it as a soundtrack. And I'm so excited to share this music with you guys because it is some of my favorite music I've worked on for a film. I am just so proud of this score. And even though the film 
We don't know when it will finally, finally get finished. Hopefully at some point. We got like a kind of tentative end of 2022, but, you know, who knows? Uh, But until you get to see the film, at least you'll finally get to hear the music. So the album will be out October 15th. You can read all about it on my website, bydavidrosen.com. It's available now for pre-order on iTunes uh, if you're somebody who still buys music or uh, over on Bandcamp as well. Note to self, set up the Bandcamp. I record this in advance, of course, and I haven't actually set up the Bandcamp for this album yet. I guess I'm going to do that after I finish recording this. Uh, Anyway, yeah, Bandcamp, iTunes, it is available for pre-order now, and the album comes out October 15th. I'm going to close this out with a piece of music, but I'm not going to play a piece of music from that album, only because I've been playing pieces of music from that album in the last few episodes, and so I'm going to switch it up a little bit and play something that would feel right at home in a film like Cop Shop. It actually has been in a couple of all-out shootout cop action movies before. Uh, This is a track called Cut Open from my second album, An Unseen Sky definitely would fit right in in a joe carnahan film so i figured it's a good one to close this out with so enjoy it check out the albums check out my website make sure you're subscribed all the stuff i always ask you to do thank you so much for listening we'll be back with more piecing it together coming up real soon
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.